about apostles and prophets. And if you'll turn to John chapter 5, um, I'm going to uh, start just with the word the Lord gave me several years ago and then, um, and then show you some things or, or share some things with you, some things that I'm learning and some things that we're processing together as a whole team. And none of this is, um, none of what I, what I would teach you tonight is something that we have, uh, when it comes to the fivefold ministry, in fact, not just apostles and prophets, I want to talk to you about fivefold ministry. But um, none of this have we walked out in successfully, in a successfully mature way. So this, this is, I'm, I'm just taking you on our journey. I'm inviting you to get on this, you know, to come on this journey with us. And, and I'm just sharing with you some of the things we're learning and, and how we're processing um, this transition that we're, that we're in. And so um, the, this verse, these verses you'll know well. Uh, verse 2, now there was in Jerusalem, did I tell you it was John 5? Verse 2, there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew uh, Bethesda, having five porticles. Would everybody say five porticles? And in these lay those who were sick, blind, and lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever then first, after the stirring of the water, stepped in was made well, whatever disease which they were afflicted. And it goes on to tell, talk about a man who was sick there for 38 years. But that's the only part I want to um, share with you. I was reading this, and uh, I've shared this part um, many times in several different teachings. And in fact, I just talked to the students um, last week about this verse and what I learned from this verse. Um, one day I was reading this, these verses, and I, I know John... The book of John, really well. It's uh, my favorite gospel, and so I've read it over and over, and I have lots of it memorized. And you know how it is when you've read something many times, and you're devotional, if you read every day, you're like, sometimes your mind can just turn off almost, and you read through the verses, and you know what I'm trying to say. And one day, I'm just kind of doing that. I'm just doing my my devotional time at night, and, um, and suddenly... Um, a part of this verse stands up like a soldier on a field. Have you ever had that happen? Where you're reading the Bible, something you know really well, and, 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 and a verse stands up like a soldier on the field and begins to talk to you. And you don't even know what it is. And I, I was reading this verse, and, and the, the part of this verse, and there was five porticles at the pool of Bethesda. That popped up like a soldier on a field, and it began to say, I have a secret to tell you. Now, it wasn't saying this. I'm, you know what I'm doing. Uh, it, it, was, it was like, you know, the, the, how many of you know, it's the glory of God to hide a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. And so this verse pops up, this part of the verse pops up, and it's like telling me, I have a secret to tell you. Like, if you'll seek this out, there's a secret in here. And so um, for several, and I'll, I don't know how long, for several months, though, not, it wasn't days, it was several months, I read that verse every, every day for several months, and I prayed over it, and um, I, 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 I don't read commentaries much or anything, but I felt like the Lord told me that He was going to tell me something about that verse. And I, I did read um, a little, uh, one commentary that said the porticles were five porches that were over the pool of Bethesda. And, and, um, and so I, I was being diligent as I knew to be over that verse and months went by and nothing happened and uh, nothing changed. And I kept saying every time I 
read the verse nearly every day, I'd say, Holy Spirit, you know, there's something here. I wish you'd show me what it is. And one day, this is a true story, I'm out in my wood shop, and the Holy Spirit says, would you like to know about that verse? I'm like, why didn't you tell me when I'm studying? It would be, <laughs> I guess, you know, I'm like Jesus. I'm a carpenter. <laughs> and I think Jesus got all that revelation in the wood shop. <laughs> anyway, maybe not. Anyway, um, and, and uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, the five porticles are the fivefold ministry. The five coverings over the pool. I've shared this many times before. And he said to me that the, when the fivefold ministry goes from emerging, you know, we used to have, we had threefold ministry for 500 years. We had pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And he said when the, when the fivefold ministry goes from emerging to merging into one pool, it's going to create strategic alliances with heavenly allies. And you're actually going to have angel help that you've never had before. And so I, I, I began to, to study that, and, um, and then there was another thing that happened to me a few months into that about Ezekiel's river, and I don't want to talk about that tonight. But the Lord began to talk to me about the fivefold ministry. Now, if you don't know what fivefold is, um, that, that phrase, it's the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I felt like the Lord said to me that when the fivefold ministry begins to learn how to work together, not just, you know, get along, you know how many know there's one thing to get along, there's another thing to create synergy, where everyone finds their place. Years ago, Bill and I were doing a men's retreat together, actually with our men. This is probably 12 years ago. And um, the men, it was the first night of the, of the men's retreat when we were out in, at some retreat center. And, you know, everybody, all the guys were kind of milling around, just talking and sharing, and, and we were ready to get the meeting started. And Bill, um, Bill uh, stood up and he said, men, would you find your places? And when he said, you find your places, it felt like a prophetic declaration. I felt like, and I turned to Bill when he, you know, and I said, I came to the front and I said, that's the, that's the theme of this men's retreat. Men, find your places. And I feel like it's the theme of the season that we're in. Not men, find your places, but we're to find our places. We're to find the place. How many of you understand that it's not just, you're not just part of the body. I mean, how would it be if it you know, was... A, a hand sticking out of the head. I mean, it's not just that your hand, it's that you're rightly placed in the body. Are you with me? It's not just that you're, that you're a finger, it's that the fingers are at the end of the hand, it's that the hand is at the end of the arm. It's not just the, it's not just the, the, um, the individual members of the body that makes the body. It's the right placement of the individual members that actually make the body function in, a, in, in, a, in the way that God predetermined and predesigned it. Are you with me? And I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I, this just metaphorically, I, I feel like the body is not in line. And, uh, um, you know, Psalms 133 talks about the oil that started on Aaron's head, Aaron the priest. And it said it started on his head and it flowed down over his whole body. And it said how, blessed, um, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that began on the top of Aaron's head and it went all the way down to his feet. And how many of you understand when the body's in right order, the power of the, of the anointing that's on the head is the same power of the anointing that's on the feet. It doesn't matter what part of the body you are, you carry the same amount of anointing. But when you get out of place, when you're disjointed, you create dripping points, places where the anointing doesn't flow, but it drips off you. The anointing is lost, if you will. 
And I feel like the Lord has us in a season where we, as the, as the, as the body of Christ, we're not just emerging, but we're emerging into our right places. We're being fitted and, 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 um, and, and held in place by what every joint supplies so that I can't say I'm just a, I'm, you know, I'm a hand with no purpose. I'm a hand that's tied to the rest of the body. And I, my purpose is actually in the, it, my purpose, I, I know, listen, here's where I'm, where I'm going. I believe in dreaming. I believe in having a dream. And, and I believe in, uh, I believe, and, and we talk a lot about dreaming here. Dreaming outside, dreaming individually without considering how that dream fits into the body and dreaming on an island is a bad plan. You don't have a destiny outside of the body. This is going to hurt some feelings. I, I believe in having a dream, and Danny does this thing about writing down a hundred dreams, and, and, I, and I've been doing some of that, and I think it's really wonderful. So, I, so I'm going to emphasize something different. I don't want you to think I'm opposed to it. I'm not. I'm just saying that sometimes we get so self-centered that we start to think that we are the center of the universe, not realizing that, you know, the, the finger can have a dream, but if it isn't connected to the rest of the body, it doesn't really matter what you're dreaming. If you're not, if your dream isn't, if you're not dreaming uh, with, with the rest of the family, if you're not dreaming, if, you, if your place of dreaming doesn't fit into the family, I'm not sure how you're going to get blood flow to it. And so there's a lot of, you know, uh, individuality. And I, and I like the fact that we are individually members of one another, uh, Romans 12. So you have your individual identity. But when your individual identity takes the place of your national identity as the member of the holy nation, something's wrong. Here we go. I'm going to get passionate tonight. So here we go. In, uh, turn to... Where are we going to go? How are we going to do this? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is a very interesting portion of Scripture in context. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul's obviously speaking to the church at Corinth, and he says this, verse 10, Now, brethren, I exhort you by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you all agree, and that, you, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made of the same mind and the same judgment. For I am informed concerning you, my brethren, that the Koyos people say that there's quarrels among you. And I mean this, that each of you, each one of you is saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. And he goes on to say, has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? And, and he talks more about him, um, you know, was, was Christ, was Paul crucified for you? Um, were you baptized into Paul? And he goes on like that. Now, here's a real interesting um, distinction. So in 1 Corinthians, he tells, he goes, I've, I've heard some stuff about you guys. You're arguing over who you belong to. And some say, well, I'm of Apollos. And some say, I'm of Peter. Some say, I'm of Paul. And he goes, hey, I don't want any part of this. I wasn't crucified with, for you. You're not baptized into Paul. And he says, is Christ divided? Now, that's how the book starts, all right? Now turn to chapter 4. Are you there? Chapter 4, the same book. 
And here's what he says in verse 14. I do not write this to shame you, but to admonish you as beloved children. For you may have countless tutors, or some of your versions say teachers. For you may have countless tutors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have become your father through the gospel. Now, just to make sure that you understand that he's serious about this, let's get to the next verse. I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of... Are you reading it or are you just listening to me? Okay, verse 16. Therefore, I, ex- I exhort you, be imitators of me. For this reason, for what reason? For this reason. For this reason. What reason? Because I want you to be imitators of who? Me. For this reason, I send you Timothy, who's my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as you've just as I teach everywhere in every church. What does he teach everywhere in every church? His ways, which are in Christ. Okay, wait a second. It gets better. Now, some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out. Not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Verse 21. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love? In the spirit of gentleness. Okay, we'll do this early in the teaching so you will leave unwounded. We'll pray for the wounded in just a minute. Okay, can you see an amazing contrast? In chapter 1, he goes, some of you are saying you're of Peter. Some you are saying you're of Paul. Some you are saying of Apollo. Some of Christ. Is Christ divided? You're arguing over whose tribe you're in. And you think, okay, you know, that's it. You know, that's, there, there, there it is. You know, we're, we're all in Christ, and that's the way it should be. And our only identity is in Christ. And then in chapter 4, he goes, wait a second. You have, you, you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And I am your father. You, you Corinthians, I'm your daddy. And I want you to imitate me. Now, let's be clear for those of you before you run out. He says, my ways are in Christ. But he said, I want you to imitate me. I'm going to send you, for this reason, because I want you to imitate me, I'm going to send you the guy that I raised up who's just like me. He's my son, Timothy. And what he's going to do is he's going to teach you my ways, which are in Christ. And we do this in every church. What do we do? Teach you my ways. Which are in Christ. Now, he says, there's other people, they're arrogant. And when I come, those arrogant people, listen, do you want me to come with gentleness? Or do you want me to come and give you a whipping? I'm asking you, Corinthians. Which way do you want me to come? It's your choice. And he's saying, if you don't deal with these arrogant people, I will. Now, if you go on to 2 Corinthians, Paul's still writing to the Corinthians about this problem. And what is the problem? Well, if you go on to 2 Corinthians, he talks about his apostolic authority. Remember? And he says things like, are they apostles? Me much more. Are they Pharisees? Me much more. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And by the way, here's my apostolic credentials. I was... 
I was whipped. I was shipwrecked. I was left for dead. I was stoned. And he goes on and say, and he says, and he goes, and he says, boasting's kind of silly, but I'll just do it anyway. Because they're doing it. Who? The arrogant people who have deceived them into believing that they, that the, that he, that they are the Corinthians apostles. In other words, here's what's happening. There are people who snuck into the Corinthian church that Paul fathered, and Paul's saying, they could be your teachers, but they are not your father. I'm your father. And when I come there, I'm going to deal with them. In 2 Corinthians, he's still dealing with them, and he's saying, listen, you need to stop letting them have that level of authority in your life, because I have that authority in your life, but they do not. Like, well, first of all, I don't like this message at all. I don't want anyone to have authority in my life. I'm like, I know, that's the problem. That's, that's issue number one. One of the ways that we come into order is to recognize authority in our lives. Jesus said this, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, then you receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward. Now, I understand that there's context here, but my point is, is that there, it, when I receive somebody, in the, it, when I recognize that there's anointing on them, when I, re, when I realize, like, instead of saying, you know, we're all even. You know, you love God, I love God, we're all the same, kumbaya. Jesus said, if you do that, you're going to get a righteous man's reward. Because you've honored the body as, as you've honored other people as equal members of the body. But if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, then you'll receive a prophet's reward. In 2 Corinthians, you know, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the, you know the verse well. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. But chapter, verse 16 is interesting. It says, we know each other no longer after the flesh. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The connotation that, that Paul is giving to the Corinthians is this. Know each other after new creation, not after the flesh. Now, I believe that the Lord has placed each member in the body for a specific purpose. Like, I want to be, I, I want to be the, the hands. Okay, well, if you're supposed to be, that's good. But if you're supposed to be the feet, we need you to be the feet. And he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that the members that are most important are actually unseen. How many know that the most important members of your body are actually unseen? Like you could do without a hand, but your heart? Probably be kind of hard, like, you know, lost my heart the other day. <laughs> Cut off in a bandsaw. You, you, you know what I mean? Like the members of your body... That are, that are really, really important? No, you don't, like, I, I've never heard anybody say, man, I fell in love with her liver. She just has an amazing liver. You know, oh, her kidneys are amazing. I, you know, I did a CAT scan of this lady and I fell in love with her. It was love at first sight when I saw her organs. I mean, you don't typically fall in love with someone's organs. But I guarantee you, if those organs fail, you love to have them back. 
And, and some of you are like the organs. Some of you are like, you know, you fit in the body and you're, you're totally hidden and everyone else gets credit for doing stuff, but you're like the heart. And if we don't have you, we're dead. God bless you. Come out. Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. That thing's not counting down, so I guess I... Oh, it's going to preach the eternal gospel. It says zero, but it started at zero, so... It's awesome. No, I am not done. I'm going to... I'm going as long as I... Your dad's not here. I'm preaching until the cows come home. Verse 11. Are you there? Verse 11. Uh, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Is that, that better? See, if you receive a prophet and you would have received a prophetic mantle and you would have known where I was. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. For what? The equipping of the saints for the work of service, for the building up the body of Christ. How long did he give them for? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Until. Verse 13. Everybody see until? Until we all attain to the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the statute that belongs to the fullness of Christ. What's to stop there for a minute? How many of you think that, that the church looks like the mature body of Christ. Okay, then I would propose to you that we still have apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What is the purpose of the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers? To equip the saints. Got it? Okay, is it to do the work of ministry? No. Are the, are the, are the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, are they doing the work of service? No. They're equipping the saints to do the work of service. Okay, um, let me make this clear. Every five-fold minister is also a saint. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> I should think through if I agree with that. <laughs> I've seen some. Anyway, but... <laughs> so, you, you could be a prophet, and so as a prophet, you're equipping the saints, Right? But you're also, also, you, you have more than one calling. You also are a saint. So it doesn't, you're like, well, I'm equipping the saints so I don't have to do any work. No, no, you're also a saint. So as a saint, you have work to do. And as a prophet, you have equipping to do. If you're a pastor, so on and so on and so forth. Okay, but look at the result. So until we all attain unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the statute, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. As a result. Now, wherever you see as a or so or therefore, it always refers back to the previous verses. Okay? In other words, he gave all this ministry to equip the saints. And this is the purpose of all of these saints being equipped. Got me? As a result, we are no longer to be children. How many know we want to be, we, we want to be childlike, but we don't want to be childish? Good word. As a result, we're no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, 
I want, to, I want to stop and just say this. What keeps us from running after every fad, every wind of doctrine? Woo, there's a new guy in town. Woo, there's a new lady in town. Shoo, I believe this. Wow, there's no hell. Woo, it's over here. Wow, what, what keeps that from happening? Being rooted and grounded in the fivefold ministry. It is the fivefold ministry that keeps you stable. Uh oh. There are, there are people that. <laughs> there, are, there are people that just, they just float from place to place. Oh, tenant ministers, I have no problem with tenant ministers. Let me finish. There are people that just float around teaching things that they never actually have to make work because they actually don't have a home. And they say crazy things that, you know, everyone can applaud. But as long as I don't actually have to make it work, I can say anything. Well, you know what? We're saints and we no longer sin. Amen. You can say amen all you want, unless you've pastored for more than one day. Now, I believe that we are saints and we're not prone to sin. I, I don't believe it's my nature to sin. But I've been doing this too long to believe that saints never sin. But people preach that. People preach saints don't sin anymore. I'm like, wait a second. Have you ever been to church? Because here's the struggle with that. As soon as someone sins, then you have a choice to make. Either you say, well, saints sin, and, and we have to work to a place of perfection, sanctification, and we all agree with that. Or you say, they're not saints. But you have to do something to fix your doctrine. You don't have to do anything to fix your doctrine if you just go from place to place and don't have to pastor anybody. <laughs> I'm sorry, but people just blow through town... And just share weird things. And people fly off. And our own people fly away. They're like, I can fly. <laughs> really? Yeah, I can fly. Okay, let's see you fly. Well, I like to practice at home. I can walk on water. Me too, as long as it's frozen. I mean, these are good things to obtain. I, I, I was sharing, this is probably six months ago, I was sharing about, you know, um, I said something like, you know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And this guy came up to me and said, you know, the Lord told me that this generation is not going to die. We're just going to be like, you know, I'm just going to go to heaven. I'm like, I received that for myself. But you know what? I didn't have very many friends who died when I was 30, but now that I'm like, I won't tell you how old I am, but pushing 60, like, a lot of my friends are dying. And so, you know, you can just preach anything you want as long as you don't actually have to make it work and as long as you're in the next town next week. And the people that have to pastor it are the people that are trying to shepherd the flock. And, and, and what happens a lot of times is that, is that people kept 
they, they capture those winds of doctrine and they chase those people. They become like, you know, deadheads, grateful dead followers. And they're just like, they have no accountability, no church, just go from place to place and like take on whatever the newest thing is. And I'm, I'm, listen, I love Revelation. I love new stuff, but I, I, I believe in accountability. And I believe that what keeps you from being weird is that you have all five rivers flowing into your life. I know this is not the most popular message I've ever shared, but it might be one of the most important. Verse 14, as a result, we're no longer children. As a result of what? The fivefold ministry, I grow up. Why do I grow up? Because i got people speaking in my life. How many know faithful are the wounds of a friend? They're not tossed here and there by every wave and every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. And how many know there's a difference between loving to speak the truth and speaking the truth in love? Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up. Everybody say, I'm supposed to grow up. In all aspects of him who's the head, even Christ, in whom the whole body is being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Okay, stop right there. What's it saying? It says the body. Chris, come here. Put your arm. The body is supposed to be fitted and held together. Now, if let's do this. Hold hands for a second. If I let go, if I let go. I know, this is a silly illustration. If I let go, he has a responsibility to hang on. If I lose strength, if I lose courage, if I want to let go, he's hanging on. He doesn't go, well, you want to let go? Just fall. No, no. Every joint supplies, and we're fit and held together by what every joint supplies. If he gets discouraged and he lets go, I hang on. I hang on to him. Because he's a part of the body. And without him, how many of you know, without him, if he's the arm and I'm the hand, how many of you know, if he lets go, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost us both. We're fitted and held together. Are, are you with me? And so, it, it's important that I don't come to church. It's important I become the church. It's important I find my place in the body. And, you know, and maybe you're, you know, you're jealous, like, oh, I'd love to be the mouth. It's like, awesome if you're supposed to be. But if you're not, just be the big toe. Well, nobody cares about the big toe. They do if they don't have one. Um, and we, and, you know, sometimes you don't know what you got until it's, anyway, gone. I don't know how that worked out. But <laughs> listen to this. From whom the whole body... But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects of Him. In all aspects of Him. Why all aspects? How many of you know if you're just connected to a prophet, you're going to just get prophetic grace and you're grow, you know, it's going to be like you're just working out your right arm. Oh, I love prophets. Prophets, man, that's my thing. Or you're just working out your upper body and you've got these you know, little, like, you know, you look like Big Bird. Or, you know, it's like, I, I love teachers. It's like, ah, oh, you know, it's, it, you got these great big legs and you got this little puny upper body. What are you looking at me for? I'm not a good example of balance. 
whatever gets worked out in playing basketball, that's what I got. That's what I'm good at. I'm not good at it, but that's what I work out. So, so what I'm getting at is this. When, when I'm connected to the whole body, when I'm connected to the saints, and I'm connected to the fivefold ministry, then I'm not deceived, and I grow up, and I'm not flying around with every wind of doctrine. It doesn't mean I don't receive new revelation. It means that it's coming to me in multiple dimensions. Now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a little rabbit trail here, but I'll come right back. In the School of the Prophets, we've, been, we've done a School of the Prophets for, I think, um, eight or nine years. In the School of the Prophets, three years ago, I was thinking about my relationship with Dan Fairley. And I was thinking about how important it is for prophets and teachers to relate to one another. And, and twice in the book of Acts it says, and they sent them prophets and teachers. And I think, you know what? In the world I live in, prophets don't actually like teachers. And teachers don't actually like prophets. I mean, even if they get along relationally, they typically never agree on anything. And I was thinking about my relationship with Dan and how integral he is in, in my life. Not, I'm going to just give you one example, but I mean, he, I mean, he is a father in my life. And, and I believe I'm a father in his life. But, but, and and he, he speaks into my life. But the area I want to talk about for just a minute tonight is when I get revelation, and I think I have this revelation from the Lord, probably the first person I talk to, and this happens probably every couple months, I go in Dan's office and I say, you know, I feel like the Lord told me this, this, and this, and, and it's, I, I, I see this verse like this, and I, I start to tell him, and he shares with me stuff I would have never thought of. Sometimes he's like, um, I remember this one time I was telling him about the, uh, this was years ago, and I was telling him, you know, I don't think we're sinners anymore. I believe we're saints. This is a part of that, you know, we can't sin anymore thing. And, and he's like, okay. And I, was, and, I, and I went through, I had all these scriptures. It was before I wrote The Supernatural Ways of Royalty. And I was talking about our identity is as a saint. And, and, and I was telling him this whole thing. And he sat and listened for about 20 minutes. And when he got done, he goes, have you ever heard of the Manifest Sons of God movement? I go, no. He goes, well, here's what they did with your revelation. First of all, you didn't think of it first. That was kind of discouraging. And secondly, this is how it got off track. And he spent 20 minutes sharing with me how they took the same scriptures I was using and took them to an extreme and how, it, how, it, how, it, how flawed the teaching became and how people practiced it. And I'm like, oh my Lord, I, I'm so glad he's in my life. And so he said, you can avoid that by doing this, this, and this. Like, that's a really good teaching. But make sure that you preface it by this and this and this. And I walked out of there and, I'm, and, I, and I, you know, it was probably a couple of years before I put words to it. But I thought, prophets and teachers need to be friends. They just need to be friends. Because I think that we pull teachers into new revelation. And I think they keep us out of heresy. And, and, and together, if I'm just talking about prophets and teachers now... Together, we build the body of Christ and we build the body up in a healthy way so that we're fitted and, we're, and connected to the whole body and not just to the arm. We're just going to work out the arm. And, and pastors, I can't tell you how many pastors are afraid of prophets. 
Because prophets come in and they just blow up their church. And then, and then they leave. They're like, oh, that was a great meeting. And um, we were just in, I told you, we were in Nebraska. And the, the pastor picked us up and there was a 45-minute drive. Joaquin was there. Joaquin, by the way, is amazing. He's amazing. I love him so much. And so we're, and Joaquin's been there nine times. So Joaquin's a real father. They see Joaquin as a father to this movement that's happening in Nebraska. And, and so um, the pastor got in the car. I have met him before here. I didn't remember um, uh, him very well. But anyway, we're going to the church. And I'm going to speak that night. I'm going from the airport right to the meeting. And so I turned to him and I said, um, I'd really like to know what is it you need from me? He's like, what do, you, what do you mean? I said, well, I'd like to know what is it you need from me. He says, well, you're the prophet. You're bringing the word of the Lord. I go, it doesn't really work like that for me. I, you know what? I, I'm a part of the church. And, and you know our teachings because you've been following for years. And I'd like to know, you're here with your flock. What would you like from me? He said, I've never had anyone ask me that before. I, I said, well, I feel like I'm here to plant something that you're willing to, to cultivate, water, and harvest. And he's like, oh, well. And so what was really cool is, is that we worked with the pastors, and there was a couple of apostles there, and, we, we, and, I, and I talked to Joaquin before I left, and I'm like, what have you been building there? Because I, I don't want to come in and like build some edifice nobody cares about. I want to connect with what... Am I making any sense? Like, I want to connect with what other people are doing. Talk through what they're doing. You brought me in for a reason. It cost you money to fly me here. You put me in a hotel. You're feeding me. You you have something in mind. You know, if I teach on, you know, whatever, Jello, are you alright with that? Well, no, I brought you in. That's what I mean. You brought me in for something you think I'm going to say. And I have some stuff in my heart, too. But I want to synergize with what you're doing so we're building together the body. And, 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 I, and everywhere I go, I do that. It's like, I, I'm, not, you know, I'm not a free agent. I'm a part of the body. I play a role. And, and how many of you, all, you could play a different role, right? I mean, I could play a different role. Like, what role do you need? What is it you need? And he started telling me, well, we've been emphasizing this. And, and you know, we've been talking about apostolic ministry and... I said, would you like it if I taught on apostolic ministry and how it relates to the body? He goes, that would be wonderful if you did that. And so I did a whole session for a hundred leaders came. Denominational leaders from, uh, different, you know, from different denominations. And I'd spent an hour and a half talking about this apostolic shift. When I got done, he just said, that was so good. That was so amazing. I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't had an interaction with him. Does that make sense? And so, and he said... He said, I, and when I left, he said, I can pastor that. On the, way, on the way back to the airport, he drove me back, and he said, he handed me the plow. He goes, this is what you did to us. And, and he said, you planted seed that I, I think, he goes, I have always wanted to harvest that, what you, what you planted. Well, I'm just trying to say, like, a little conversation and caring. A little caring about what your brothers are doing. You're on a team it's like, I have a dream. Well, awesome. Don't dream in a vacuum. Okay? Don't dream in a vacuum. We're teaching all this dreaming stuff. 
I, I love it. I teach it too. I'm so concerned about selfishness in the body of Christ. And, you know, we, you know I, I, I'm one of the people who brought, you're a royal priesthood, you're amazing. God wants to do amazing things with you. I, I'm part of that. Like, I, I, I think I was the catalyst to a big piece of that. I'm, I'm concerned that it's, it's getting over here. It's like, it's about me. I'm like, no, it actually, it, no, actually, I, I, I'd like to like, let's do the unsupernatural ways of royalty. The natural ways of royalty. <laughs> Do you understand where I'm going? Okay, I'll finish here. From um, verse 16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies, according to proper working. Here, everybody say working. Oh, was that painful for some of you? Some of you are like, I believe in the finished work of Jesus. So do I. He's finished, but you ain't. You know, when people ask you if you believe in the finished work of Jesus in California, it means something totally different now. There's people like floating on a raft someplace in Jamaica, you know, for the rest of their life. Jesus did it all for me. He did it all for you and he's waiting for you to do something for him. You were created for good works in Christ Jesus. You were not, you know. I told our students this last week. You know, the, the 12 disciples all had something in common. They were all working when Jesus found them. And I told, I told them, you know, you're going to graduate pretty soon. If you don't know what to do, go find a job. Where? I don't know, McDonald's. Well, he, didn't, he didn't find anybody in the unemployment line. And if you're on unemployment, oh, God bless you. I, I don't mean the way it could sound. Sheesh. I love unemployment. It is awesome, I believe. It's even in the Bible. I know the plans I have for you. Not plans of calamity, but plans for welfare. Came right to me. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by every joint supplies, according to the proper working according to the proper working of each individual part, which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. Everybody say, of itself. In love. Building up of itself in love. Okay, let me just finish with this last concept. The goal of the fivefold ministry is that every member of the body would be completely equipped so that it creates an ecosystem where the body keeps the body healthy. I can tell you, the most dysfunctional prophets, because I work with lots of prophets, are the prophets that think, if you need a word of the Lord, you need me. If you need a word from the Lord, you need me. No, no, no. That is an old model. The goal of the prophet is to equip the saints so the saints can get words for the saints. And if every time you need a word, you need a, you, you know, you, you live in some place and you're the, you're the prophet. <laughs> If people have to keep coming to you for the word of the Lord, you're not doing your job very well. Because your job is to equip the body with eyes to see and ears to hear. I understand there are exceptions, and I believe in governmental prophets that give prophetic words for the direction of the church and direction of you know, governments and all of that. I, I believe in all that. I'm just saying, here's the balance. The balance is in the body. The body should, if the body's not a child. 
if the body is grown up, the body should help the body. Somebody needs counseling? I'll tell you, I believe the pastor's job is to teach the body how to counsel. I understand there are special cases where we need specialists. But for the most part, you should know when someone's in trouble, you should know enough tools to help that person out of trouble. I'm talking about your friends. You shouldn't be like, oh, you're discouraged? Uh, we'll see if we can get you a meeting with the pastor. That may be necessary. I don't want to put that away. I'm simply saying, in a mature body, you go, hey, John's good at that, and uh, he's, uh, he'll be at home group tonight. He, he, can, he can talk to you. He's been through that. And all I'm getting at, and maybe this is an overemphasis, is that we've got to get away from a two-class system. These guys do the work, and we listen and pay our tithes. It's like, no, no, you're fitted and held together. And maybe these guys and gals, they are the people you see, but the most important part of the body, you don't see. And that may be you. I said, I want to, I just really want to honor you. Uh, You know, until probably four years ago, hardly anyone ever saw my wife, Kathy. Very few people. I mean, on any public platform. Maybe she'd come up when I introduce her. Or, you know, in school ministry, she'd come and do some stuff. But, I mean, for years, I'm like, why don't you teach? I don't don't want to teach. Why don't you, you want to come up and minister with me? Not really. But I can tell you, like, the first ten years of school ministry, there wouldn't be a school ministry without Kathy Bellaton. I'm not just honoring my wife. I'm telling you, these guys know. There would not be a school. Now we have other people that have come up with her that she's raised up. And, but without her, without, she, she's the heart of the school, making sure everything happened. All we did is get up and teach and minister. But making sure people got there, making sure all of stuff, everything that actually has to happen to make sure people have a place, she did all of that. And as the years went on, we added a team. And I can tell you there's people like that all through. I'm only talking about her right now just because she comes to my memory. And for years, people would come up and they're like, I love your ministry. You changed my life. And my wife's sitting right there. I'm thinking, you know what? If you really knew who changed your life, you'd be thanking her. Because this guy, he wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for her. It was her in storms that looked at me and said, we're going to get through this. It was her in storms, in low times, that said, you can do this. It was her when things were totally chaotic, when she, she would come in and organize life and say, you know what, we can do this way. I, it was her when we had no money and she would figure out how we can do it with no money. I can remember coming home, and I'll finish with this story, but this is just a story about how sometimes we honor people because they speak or they're on TV or they have a great message. And, and God bless us. We need it. In fact, Paul said this, he goes, the members that are more visible, they're weaker. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm like, God, I, I, God, I know that's true. 
It's true in my house. I remember driving up to our home. We were, you know, we were, we were having a terrible time. We had no money. You know, it was just like we, were, we, we owned three businesses. Things were tough. We were not making payrolls. It was like I was walking the floor at night. Every Friday was payroll. Thursday night, I, I, I didn't sleep a Thursday night probably for a year and a half. Just trying to figure out how we're going to make payrolls. I mean, and it was, I mean, if anyone's ever been through that, it's just the worst. It's not the worst thing. Let me back up. I know lots of people have been through worse stuff than this. But the stress is bad. And, you know, and, and my wife would get up in the middle of the night, and I'd be 3 o'clock in the morning pacing the floor praying, and she'd be like, it's going to be okay. And we went through this for years on and off. One day, I come home from work, and I, I usually, you know, come home at 7 or something. And I come home at 6, and all the lights are off in our house. And I'm like, oh, they must, the family must be gone. And uh, I drive up the driveway, and her car's there. And I'm like, I wonder why all the lights are off. And, you know, it's dark. And I open the door to the house. And it's, there's candles in the house. It's freezing cold in there. They have a fire going. And my kids are all in tents. They're in three tents on the floor in the house that they made out of blankets. And I walk in, they go, hi, daddy. I said, what are you guys doing? I flipped the light switch on and nothing came on. They said, we're camping. I said, you're camping. Oh, that's cool. And then Kathy comes kind of running around the corner. And she's like, oh, you're home early. I go, what's going on? And she, she walks out, outside to, to the breaker and she flips on the main breaker. I go, what are you doing? She said, well, we didn't have any money, so I, I figured out how much electricity we could use every month. And I just turned it off during the day. And, and then I, I tell the kids we're playing camping, so we've been doing that for months through the winter. And I cook on the wood stove, and I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want you to feel any worse about the fact that we didn't have any money. I mean, wow, those are the kind of people you need to that, that hang on when you let go. This is what it's like to be a family. You know what, you know what I'm trying to say? Like you, when you become a part of the family, you're not like, oh, you know what? They're going through a hard time. They could go choose another church. You know, the electricity's off there. Things are tight there. You know, it's the, this is a better message over here. It's like, no, no, you're part of a family. And listen, if you're not supposed to be part of this family, go somewhere else. It's, I'm not trying to get you to stay here. I'm just saying, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your daddy? Well, my my daddy's Christ. I understand, but remember. Inside of Christ, there's also, there's also identi- identity in family. It doesn't divide you. How many of you understand that if you so identify with men, that you, 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 you're so identified with your tribe, you lose your national identity? How many know you've overemphasized men? You want me to say it a different way? If I so identify with the Apostle Paul, that I lose sight that he's in Christ, how many know I've overemphasized Paul? But at the same time, even though I'm in Christ, in Christ there are fathers and mothers that I connect to, and I have their DNA, and they teach me their ways. 
If you come on to our prophetic teams, you're like, well, I've been at so-and-so's super church and I was on their prophetic teams for 20 years. That's awesome. I want to teach you my ways, which are in Christ. You learn their ways. I want you to learn our ways. Well, we're all part of the body. I understand. We have our style. <laughs> we have our traditions. We have our style. Well, those are traditions of men. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. But we, we want you to do it our style. We want to teach you our ways, which are in Christ. Well, I went to Joe's Super Church that's more famous than you. That's fine. And when you go to Joe's Super Church, you can do it his way or her way, which is in Christ. But when you come here, I want you to do it our way, which is in Christ. It's part of how you fit in to our family. Okay? You, you come to our house, you, you don't have to take your shoes off. Well, you have to take your shoes off at our house. That's great. If I went to your house, I'd take our shoes off. Here we don't take them off. We don't sleep on our floor either, but whatever. My point is, is that, <laughs> you didn't get any of that, but anyway, <laughs> the point is this. It's okay, it's okay that we have a style, that we have traditions. They're still in Christ. And that Joe's Super Church, they have traditions. They're also in Christ. And those are different, but it's part of what makes the body beautiful. It's, I call them apostolic distinctions. And the, and the last part of this is that you need to be fitted in the body in a way where people can direct you. People can challenge you. People can... It's not just like I float and I kind of love the revelation. Okay, great. People are like, no, I go to, I go to your church. I'm like, really? They go, yeah, on iBethel TV. I'm sorry, iBethel TV. We'll probably lose some subscribers right now. <laughs> iBethel TV is not church. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's not church. There's no accountability. Nobody knows what you're doing. You don't know what anyone else is doing. You're not, you're not fit into iBethel TV. I'm glad you like the teaching. I'm glad you like all that. You know, and whatever we're bringing, that's fine. But how many of you know you still need a human? You still need human beings around you that can hang on to you when you feel like you need to let go. Would you stand, please? I took no time. So awesome. Would you grab the hand of the person next to you? People are like, I wonder who he thinks are like giving all these weird doctrines. I think it's Bill. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. I'm joking. It's Eric. Anyway. <laughs> you, grab, you got a hand right now? You, you got a hand right now. I want you to think about it. You're holding hands with somebody. You're holding hands with somebody. This is, I know we hold hands all the time. Right now, it's, it's a prophetic act. You're connected. Now, you may be connected with someone you don't know. You may be connected with your, your husband, your wife, or whatever. But this is a prophetic act. You, you really you need to get connected. And I, I want to pray for you right now. 
that the Lord would connect the body and we'd be fitted and held together. Not by what every apostle supplies, but by what every joint supplies. And I just, Lord, I just release that over us right now in the name of Jesus. That, that the body would grow up. That we would grow up and that we would work to help each other. And that we would dream dreams that benefit one another. And that we would dream inside of our family. We would dream inside of, of this great mission you've given us. That we, would, that we would connect with mothers and with fathers and with brothers and with sisters, with uncles and aunts and even friends in a way that creates a healthy body. And that we would no longer be moved by every wind of doctrine. We wouldn't be able to be deceived. And we wouldn't be able to be tricked. Because... There's the manifold wisdom of God flowing from the whole body of Christ into our lives. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Bless you guys.